Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planning for Retirement podcast, where we help educate you on how retirement works. This is episode 33, Gratitude and End of Year Tax Planning Observations of 2023. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Kevin Lau. I'm your host. I've been a financial planner for 15 years and have a passion for education, which is what this podcast is all about. Our mission is to educate you to increase clarity and confidence to achieve financial security. I'm also the owner of Imagine Financial Security, which is an independent financial planning and investment management firm based in Florida. However, this information is for educational purposes only and should not be used as investment legal or tax advice. We are not your financial planner, unless of course we are your financial planner, but we're still speaking in generalities here, so consider your own unique circumstances before taking any action. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope everyone is enjoying their holiday season with their families and their loved ones and people that you, you care about. Um, so I just wanted to start off by talking about gratitude for all of you. Uh, for 2023, for listening to the show, it, it helps us in so many ways. It helps me personally in so many ways. Um, but but most importantly, this tells me is that it's, it's validation that this is valuable to you, which is why I'm doing this, okay? You know, my goal with the show was take the concepts that we're implementing with our clients and our practice on a day in and day out basis and lessons that I've learned over the last 15 years to add value to uh, to my clients. And, and our goal is to put that out and to provide education and make a bigger impact on on not just folks in our on our practice, but other folks uh, that are listening to the show. So so for that, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, for tuning in uh, and, and for being a, a listener of the show. In 2020, as many of you know, that's when I quit my big firm W-2 gig and I uh, decided to launch my own independent fee-only financial planning and investment management firm, focusing on helping people prepare for retirement. And in 2020, at the time when I decided to uh, quit my W-2 gig, um, you know, uh, a very stable job for a Fortune 100 company doing financial planning uh, for for retirees. Um, but I just I had this feeling that there was more, and we can we can make a deeper impact doing things slightly differently. Okay, and in 2020, my wife and I, as many of you know this story, decided that I was going to leave that stable job and break away and start my own firm so we can do things the way we believe they should be done. Well, at the time we had one, our, our oldest son, Tristan, was about eight months old when we made that decision. And that was a Friday. And the following Monday, my wife finds out that she is pregnant. She wasn't feeling right. She took a pregnancy test and she's pregnant. And I remember this was in May of 2020. I remember being out in the garage painting, doing my DIY project in the garage, you know, like everyone else was doing COVID projects, uh, you know, while, while we were all locked down. Well, she comes out and taps me on the shoulder and she hands me this box and I open the box and it's the pregnancy test. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, like this is crazy timing. Like, you know, we're about to make the, you know, you know, take this leap, right? This leap of faith. And, you know, we've got, we've got one child, right? You know, my, and my wife decided when we were having children, when we were having a family that she was going to quit her high paying corporate gig and, you know, be home with the kids full time. Okay. So that was her decision. And so, you know, having one child 
starting a, your own business, it's a little bit unnerving, right? But with one child, we're like, okay, we can, we can, we can do it. You know, uh, when she found out she was pregnant again, I was like, Oof. it definitely tested my faith a little bit, especially when a month later we found out that she was pregnant with twins. And you know, for those of you that know me or have uh, worked with me for a while, you may have heard me tell the story about being in the uh, the OBE when when we found out that news, but it was, it, it's still a shock to me, you know, and they're, they're about to turn three years old here in four days. It still shocks me that we have twins. Um, you know, nonetheless, we have another son that is 16 month old, 16 months older than our twin boys. So, uh, we've got three boys. And at the time when, you know, like I said, when, when I was launching my firm in 2020, you know, it was, it was a little, it was a crazy time to do it. Right. I mean, I think a lot of outsiders, even close friends and family that knew me well or 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 business colleagues that I knew well like they kind of knew what we were about to go through. I mean m- maybe they didn't experience it but they're on the surface they're like oh my gosh like the Laos have you know they have one they have they have two more on board. They're going to have three boys under the age of of 17 months old. Right? I mean that's that's wild. That's a wild time to start a business and so I just wanted to to say thank you to my wife for her <laughs> for uh for putting up with that and for you know following my lead on it in a sense you know even though you know she doesn't understand personal finance or retirement planning and is n- nor really that interested in it you know she is an english lit major anyways i just wanted to say thank you jessica for um taking this journey with me i'm i'm so grateful and you're a rock star with our boys um they're extremely lucky to have you as a mom and um, you're just crushing it, you know, doing all you're doing. And, and it's evidenced by how happy they are and how much they love you and um, just so respectful they are of, of um, you know, their, their mom and dad and, you know, family and other, their teachers. And, and they're just, uh, they're amazing. So thank you for that. But I digress. So when I launched the firm, you know, we, we took the leap of faith and, you know, my first goal was to get to the point where the, my cash flow from the business, my recurring cash flow from the business on a quarterly basis was taking care of all of our business expenses. Of course, there are expenses to run my business. Um, you know, we keep expenses pretty lean because I work from home 90% of the time. You know, I do have an office that I go into um, when when uh, prospects uh, or clients want to meet in person. So I'm open to those uh, in-person meetings. But if I don't have a, an in-person client meeting, I have a home office that I'm, I work in. And that's currently where I'm recording this episode and where, where I record all of my shows. Um, so it's nothing fancy, but it's a, it's a home office. So I keep my expenses fairly low. So my goal, my first goal when I set out to launch was to take care of all my, bur- my business expenses and all of my personal expenses to cover, uh, cover the household. You know, all of the boys' needs, their diapers along the way, their baby food formula when we were going through that, um, you know, their medical bills, you know, health insurance. I mean, there's so many expenses raising children, as many of you know, and you've already raised children successfully. So that was my goal was to be able to, to basically feed my family uh, with, with, with the income from the business. And so, you know, my goal was to have it happen. I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly ambitious. My goal was to make it happen within two years. And, you know, I had built up a, a war chest, so to speak, in terms of an emergency fund, um, because I knew in the beginning we were going to have zero revenue, zero income. So I needed it enough to, to, to pay our, our bills, you know, pay our mortgage and car payments and, you know, health insurance and all that. So, um, you know, my goal I set out initially, I put 12 months 
of my um, my personal and business expenses in cash. Okay, we, we built up twelve months of cash, and so essentially we were able to, if we earned no income from the business, we were able to pay our expenses uh, for twelve months. Now, if I'm not bringing any income after twelve months, and then our savings is at zero, we're we're done. You know, we're out of business at that point in time, or we're going into debt. You know, we're borrowing money, which I didn't want to do that. You know, twelve months of expenses. And essentially what, what I was trying to do was continuously have 12 months of my surplus income needs in cash. What I mean by surplus income needs is over time, I'm, I'm adding clients to the firm. I'm helping more people that we don't need 100% of our expenses funded from cash. We've got some of our expenses from, funded from the business. Does that make sense? So my goal was to to completely have that covered after two years. Well, here I am, just hit year three. Uh, we're, we're we're technically coming up on customer day one, year three on February one of twenty twenty four. So we're not even there yet in terms of being three years old. So we're still in year two technically, but uh, I am super excited to say that in Q one of twenty twenty four, we're officially going to have enough in revenue, quarterly revenue, to cover our business expenditures cover uh, tax payments, and cover our personal nut. That is going to be the first quarter that that has happened. So um, it's been, like I said, I I set my goal was two years, have it done, you know, taken care of in two years. We're still in year two technically, but coming up on year three in about a month and a half. But I am just uh, super grateful for all of my clients. I work with amazing clients, okay? The families that I serve. Right, you know, we ha- we currently have th- thirty-seven ongoing relationships that we serve. Uh, we do, you know, some one-off financial planning, you know, maybe one or so a month. But we we our focus is on helping clients on an ongoing basis with the retirement plan, the retirement income strategy, the investment strategy, uh, as well as the the tax optimization strategy. So, you know, I why do I share that? Because I'm just feeling super grateful right now. This this year, you know, last year, a, a year ago. You know, to be truthful with you, you know, we at the time, you know, our boys were not even two years old, right? You know, our twins, uh, my oldest son, Tristan, had just turned three, you know, so we had, you know, three under four, um, you know, we were in the trenches for a while, you know, so parent, I mean, parenting is hard, okay? Um, but having the three boys under, uh, you know, under two at the time when they were born and then, you know, raising these three boys, love them to death, but, but that is the hardest gig I've ever experienced. Like, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to offend some of you who are business owners, right? And and understand how difficult it is to run a business, but being a dad is ten times harder than my business operations. It's so much harder because there are so many things you cannot control in terms of being a, a dad. Um, so it's we've been in the trenches, and, and a year ago, I mean, our feelings at that point were were very different. You know, my wife, what my wife was struggling with postpartum. Um, she, you know, she struggled for a while. You know, her hormones were out of whack. I mean, carrying three loud boys. I'm telling you right now, I am not a small individual, um, and I've always liked to eat. And my boys, all three of my boys, they like to eat, so they were all big babies. And carrying those loud boys, you know, that was over. That was almost 12, 12 pounds of baby, you know, when they were uh, when they were born on December twenty sixth of twenty twenty. All right, so let me let me wrap this up here. So gratitude, we're I just uh, I just wanted to share that with all of you guys and how thankful I am for all of you listeners, uh, family, friends, clients of mine, and especially my wife. Uh, being super supportive of uh, of me and chasing this dream that I had. So, all right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the the tax planning observations from 2023. As I wrap up uh, our our calendar year, our fiscal year, 
there are tax planning opportunities for clients that we focus on typically around this time. And, you know, most of it involves two strategies. Number one is Roth conversions. And number two is uh, charitable planning. Roth conversions, we've talked about this on the show before in terms of what the benefits are for Roth conversions. And episode 18, I, I gave a, spe- a specific live example of a Roth conversion strategy that we implemented. And then also episode 10, six reasons to take advantage of Roth conversions. But one of the things that I've observed and actually implementing the strategy with clients on an ongoing basis for the last several years is that if you don't have the funds in a taxable account, whether it's a checking account or money market or CD or taxable brokerage account, right? You know, you have a combination of mutual funds or stocks and bonds or ETFs. If you don't have the war chest in that bucket to pay the taxes from the Roth conversion, the strategy really loses its sizzle. Okay. Because ultimately, what you're going to be forced to do is one of two things you're going to be forced to spend down your emergency fund, money that you have in money market specifically for an emergency, and having that money not in your account and going to the government to pay taxes now via a Roth conversion. Sometimes that doesn't sit well. You know, because you've got that number in your head. Maybe you want to keep a hundred thousand dollars in in cash for an, an emergency in retirement. You know, maybe that's twelve months of expenses, or six months of expenses, or even two years of expenses. And so, by spending down that asset in order to pay taxes, doesn't sit well with people. So, you know, the alternative is to withhold taxes from your IRA that Roth conversion. So, let's say the Roth conversion target that you were striving to achieve, whether it be for tax bracket optimization purposes or for IRMA calculations, which we'll talk about a little bit here in a second, is that if you have to withhold dollars from that IRA when it's converted, instead of paying the tax taxes out of cash flow or cash, it really loses its sizzle. You know, So instead of converting 50,000, let's say $50,000 was that target, you're actually moving, let's say hypothetically, $40,000 into your Roth IRA, and then the other $10,000 is withheld from that conversion to pay the government their tax revenue. And obviously, we want to pay the taxes on the conversion. You're, you, We are required to pay the taxes on the conversion in the year that you convert, but it's more optimal if that money is coming from some other asset class, not the conversion, because then now fewer dollars are invested in the, in your retirement plan, in your retirement accounts, and therefore fewer shares are owned in those retirement ca- accounts to grow over time. So, so that's an observation because I, I ran into this hiccup with a few clients of mine, and I get it. You know, some of them had a little bit of cash, but that amount of cash was the was the number that they didn't want to dip below. So, so just kind of keep that in mind as you are planning for Roth conversions. If 100% of your portfolio is in a traditional IRA and you have very few dollars in a taxable brokerage account, or if you have very few dollars in your in your cash fund, and most of that is dedicated for, um, you know, those you know that that emergency fund of retirement, you may not be the best candidate for the Roth conversion. Okay, now are there other ways to to tackle this? Sure, I mean you could talk about you know, potentially using other assets that are less liquid, like home equity, right? You could, you know, if you're downsizing, you know, maybe you're moving from, you know, the state of New York to Florida, right? And the cost of your home is significantly less in Florida. When you sell your house in New York, 
you might net a profit where instead of using 100% of that profit to buy a new house in Florida, you may not need to go dollar for dollar. You can use that some of that surplus cash flow or surplus equity to build up your emergency fund for those Roth conversions in future years. All right, the second observation, because we, we've onboarded a few new clients in the last part of 2023 and some great, some great families that we're working with, part of our process is to review the previous two years of tax returns for all of our new clients and ongoing clients. Every, every year when our clients uh, file a new return, we have them send us a copy so can, we can review it. And better yet, send us the drafts before you do file. Anyways, the, one of the things that I noticed that's being missed is the opportunity to do QCDs or Qualified Charitable Distributions. We've talked about QCDs in the past, but for those of you that are not familiar, a QCD is a Qualified Charitable Distribution, and the government allows you to, con- to, to take advantage of up to $100,000 per year via a QCD. All right, so um, the QCD, the Qualified Charitable Distribution, must go to a qualified 501c3 organization, a US 501c3, so essentially a, a, a real charity, not a fake charity. And that, that money has to come from an IRA. It cannot come from a 403b or a 401k plan or a TSP. It has to come from an IRA. And moreover, it has to come from an IRA that's in your name only. It cannot be an IRA inherited from mom or dad. Oh, and thirdly, you must be over the age of 70 and a half. All right. So so why is this a good strategy? Well, when you do the QCD, when you take advantage of the QCD, that distribution is not taxable to you. And for those that are over the RMD age, so the reason why the 70 and a half number or age makes sense for some people is that the required minimum distribution beginning date, which is the year you're, you're required to start making mandatory distributions on all of your qualified plans, any qualified plan, so IRA, 401k, 403b, TSP, they all have a beginning date in which you're required to make mandatory withdrawals. And that date or that age used to be associated with when you turn 70 and a half years old. And so that's what that's what QCDs initially were lined up with. But essentially with the SECURE Act 2019 and the SECURE Act 2.0, the RMD beginning date has been pushed back. It's It was pushed back to initially to 72. Uh, age 72, and now it's either age 73 or age 75, depending on your birthday. But the IRS, they said, you know what, we're not going to push back the QCD date because we think it's a good strategy. We want people to give to charity. We want to give them a tax benefit contributing to charity. So we're going to leave uh, the the requirement age 70 and a half and not worry about that linking up with age 73 or 75. But that's what that's, what that's for. That's why, why that was initially age 70 and a half and still is. So What's, what's nice about this strategy and where I see it as being a, a home run is number one, you're already making donations to charity, right? So you're already charitably inclined. You don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog, so to speak. So you don't want to just do QCDs just to get the tax deduction because that's still money out of your pocket. Just because you donate 10000 and you get a $2,500, uh, let's say tax credit in a sense, because your, your taxable income was reduced by 10,000 and you're typically a, uh, you know, in, in the 25%, let's say is your effective rate. So that's what your, or your marginal rate, let's say you're in the 10, 25% tax bracket, you're going to be essentially saving $2,500 in taxes, but $7,500 is still net out of your pocket. That's not a deduction. 
right? $10,000 is out of that account. But if you're already donating to charity, you should look at QCDs as being part of your potential plan, all right? And it's, it's, it's even more of a home run, not only if you're over 70 and a half, but you're over the required minimum distribution beginning date age. So if you're over 73, if you just turned 73 this year or 73 next year, you're going to be taking those mandatory distributions this year and for every year going forward. The calculations based on the IRS life expectancy tables, which are updated periodically, they were most recently updated at the beginning of this year. So those of you who had a lower RMD in 2023, that is partly the reason uh, for that. It's because the life expectancy tables were adjusted and because 2022 market performance. Your required minimum distribution is based on the balance at the end of December 31 of the calendar year, if that makes sense. Okay, so on January 1 of 2024, we're going to know what those minimum distributions are because we had close of the market on December 31, and those balances will be updated in all of the custodians' accounts, and essentially that uh, calculation can be run at the beginning of 2024. Their required minimum distribution for 2023 was $80,000 roughly, okay? Now, this client is in a situation where they are they are charitably inclined okay so they're involved in in several nonprofits and and they they have a desire to donate to charity as well as donate their time okay when i reviewed their tax return i looked on line 4a and 4b is where you want to look for this and so if there is nothing listed in line 4a that means there was nothing there was no distribution from that ira that was tax free and if you do a qcd the custodian doesn't send you a separate 1099 for the qualified charitable distribution versus a normal distribution. It just says you took a $50,000 distribution in 2023, or in this case, you took an $80,000 distribution in 2023. Even if you're donating to charity from that from that minimum distribution and it's not being reported as a QCD, that's 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 where some people miss. Okay, so I actually have seen some people they're taking advantage of QCDs, but they're not communicating that with their tax preparer. And so there's nothing listed in in box 4A of your tax return. And so none of that distribution from your IRA is tax free, whereas QCDs should be tax free. But that's really where you want to look at um, if you're taking advantage of the strategy or not. Okay. And for those of you that are not itemizing your deductions, and 90% of you are not itemizing your deductions. Yeah, 90% of taxpayers use the standard deduction. And so if you're taking the standard deduction, that means that donating to charity out of cash does not benefit you from a tax perspective because you're already getting the standard deduction. It doesn't matter if you donated zero or $1,000 or $2,000. If you're taking the standard deduction, your charitable contributions don't do anything for you from a tax perspective. Now, obviously, you're doing good. That's not the reason you donate to charity. You're still giving your money. But if you're giving your money and you can take advantage of tax opportunities and you're over the age of 70 and a half, QCDs should be something you need to look at. And so for those of you that are taking mandatory distributions, you can donate up to 100% of that mandatory distribution to charity and essentially reduce your taxable income dollar for dollar. And so for this client that I was talking about has an $80,000 mandatory distribution this year. And he's a new client that we just brought onto the firm in, in the fourth quarter. And I actually reached out to his tax preparer. I said, hey, um, has Mr. and Mrs. Klein, have they taken advantage of any qualified charitable distributions in the past? And she responded, no, we've had the conversation, but it's never, it's never been enacted. Well, whose job is it to do this? It's really the financial advisor 
who's managing the retirement income plan and the, the cash flows for the client, they should have been the one to bring this up. But this was ne- this conversation never happened. You know, this client has an excess of a $2 million portfolio. So, you know, they should have an advisor that's paying attention to them. You know, the qualified charitable distribution conversation was never had. And so uh, we had some time to educate them on this on the plan, okay, for the fourth quarter. So we, they hadn't taken out all of their $80,000 yet as, as part of their income, okay? So they still had some room there to do a QCD. So we had the conversation. Well, they ended up donating $10,000 to, to a charity, okay, uh, before year end. So we just took care of that. So now instead of $80,000 being a taxable distribution in 2023, it would only be $70,000 that will be included as, as taxable amount on line 4B of the tax return. It'll say the taxable amount would be 70000 and those IRA distributions would be um, in total $80,000, but 10000 would be tax exempt. So that's really where this QCD becomes even more advantageous is not only you're over the age of 70 and a half, but you're also starting to take, you've, you've started to take mandatory distributions and you don't have a need for all those mandatory distributions for your, your income, right? Maybe you have social security, maybe you have a pension, maybe you have other investments that are generating income for you. Maybe you don't need 100% of that mandatory distribution, which is very common for a lot of my clients that, you know, they typically plan to reinvest it into their after-tax account. Maybe it's a trust account or just a regular joint brokerage account. Well, instead of doing that, Let's look at this QCD opportunity if you are charitably inclined or if they want to be charitably inclined. Sometimes people don't even realize, hey, I have the I have the capacity to donate money to charity. I had no idea I had that capacity. You know, sometimes people with two or three million dollars don't feel super wealthy and they, they're because they grew up with nothing. They don't feel like, hey, I have the capacity to donate five or six thousand or even ten thousand dollars in this case to charity, you know, because they've sort of gotten wealthy the old fashioned way, just hard work and building up savings. But uh, when you run the numbers, maybe there's opportunity for you to become charitably uh, inclined. Maybe there's there's uh, charities that are that you're becoming more passionate about in your retirement years and you want to take advantage of that. So there you go. QCDs being missed still uh, on an ongoing basis. And, And I had lunch with a client. Who whose sister in law was in town, and she just turned seventy and a half. She had never been, she had never heard of the QCD. So uh, that was interesting. And I know she she mentioned she had had an advisor at one of the big banks. But you know this this is so common. You know a lot of the a lot of advisors at big shops they don't have the capacity to have the QCD conversation with you. And so that's why we're doing this podcast so you are aware of the strategy. All right. And the last observation that I noticed for end of your tax planning is that you, everyone is so afraid of IRMA, which is the income related monthly adjustment amount and also known as the Medicare penalty. But it's essentially an adjustment to your Medicare premium on part B and for part D that is based on your modified adjusted gross income. Let's say in 2024, we're, we're sitting here on January 1 and you're paying your Part B premium that uh, is $164.90. That's the standard premium for Medicare Part B. Part A is essentially free. You've paid into it and it has a, a small deductible. But Part B, you have a premium of $164.90. And, and that's per individual. The tax return that they look at is from two years prior. So we're going to look at tax return from the year 2022. If you're single and your income is less than 103,000, you have no IRMA penalties. If your income, if you're married filing jointly and it's less than 206,000, you have no 
IRMA penalties. But once your income exceeds those numbers, then you begin to go into these different bands of premium adjustments. Okay, so for example, for singles, it's 103,000 up to 129 is the first tier, that first band, 206,000 up until 258,000 if you're married filing jointly. And, you know, the penalty is, it is what it is. Um, You know, in that first tier, about $69.90 for Part B. And for Part D, the drug part, it's $12.90 is the premium adjustment amount or that penalty. And so if you do that on an annual basis, that's $70 roughly plus $13. That's about $83 on a monthly basis. And if you multiply that by 12, I mean, you're around a thousand bucks a year in terms of what your penalty is going to look like per person if you're in that first tier. Now, and, and, and a lot of you, if you get into that first tier, like, you know, a lot of people are familiar with that first first threshold of being under 103,000 or under 206,000. And by the way, these numbers are adjusted for inflation on an ongoing basis. So for example, in 2023, the penalties looked like for the 2021 tax year, it was 97,000 or less, and then 194,000 or less for married filing jointly. So there was an adjustment of about $6,000 increase for singles and about $12,000 increase for married filing jointly. Okay. But it's not a huge penalty, okay? I mean, it's not the end of the world, especially if you're doing things like Roth conversions. And, you know, maybe you cross that threshold slightly because we're looking at tax brackets versus IRMA surcharges. I mean, certainly this is part of the equation, but I don't think this, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think we should let the tax tail wag the dog. We also shouldn't let the IRMA tail wag the dog, if that makes any sense. But that second tier, that's where things get a little bit more expensive. So, if you're single and your income is 129,000 up to 161, and then if you're married filing jointly, it's 258 up to 322. I mean, this this is a threshold that becomes a little interesting because now the penalty looks like $174.70 per person for Part B, and then $33.30 for Part D. That's that's exactly $208. And if we annualize that, okay, now we're talking about a Nerma penalty of about $2,500. Per year per person, if you're if you have two people on Medicare is what I mean by per person. Um, so that becomes a little bit more expensive, and that's where that's where we need to factor in Irma as part of the calculation. But what I'm telling you is we need to also look at the bigger picture. If doing the Roth conversions is going to benefit you long term and also benefit your heirs long term when you're no longer here, that's that's what we want to focus on. Is what is the goal here? And then we want to have the conversation around what Irma's, what the impact of Irma is going to be. So anyways, I just wanted to point that out because I think many, many people I talk to that are looking to do Roth conversions, they come to me and they say, Kevin, I'm thinking about doing Roth conversions. I've heard about this strategy from a friend or I've been reading about this online is the first thing they mention is, is I don't want to get crushed in Medicare premiums, right? And so, so I think you need to factor that in, but, but focus on the strategy more. Okay, and this also has to do with folks that are retiring before Medicare. So if you're retiring early, let's say before age of 65, because that's when you're eligible to claim Medicare, assuming you paid into the system. So if you're under 65, let's say for five or 10 years, maybe you're retiring at 55 years old. I I can't tell you the number of of prospective clients that reach out to me that want to do financial planning to retire at 55 or 60, and they're so scared of not having Medicare. Again, it goes goes to this fear of the unknown. Well, well, let me let me reassure you that 
we can accommodate for this, okay, by doing smart tax planning in those early years before you turn 65 for Medicare and also before you turn 73 or 75, depending on when your required minimum distribution beginning date is, because that's going to be the date you're required to start taking distributions out of that qualified plan. We can do some smart tax planning strategies early on to keep your income low and actually maximize credits from the ACA. Okay, the exchange for healthcare, also known as Obamacare. All right. So keep that in mind. If you're retiring early, you're not going to qualify for Medicare. You're going to have to just buy private insurance or piggyback on your spouse or just go get a job part time or or even barely full time that has healthcare benefits. But if you want to go out and buy private insurance, it's not the end of the world. All right. And you can look at options that, you know, suit your needs, suit your family's needs. And then we can play the game of, trying to minimize your taxable income for those ACA credits, okay? So you can end up paying $0 for healthcare. Not zero, but but very minimal premium. Maybe 100, 150 bucks a month for your Medicare, or I'm sorry, for your healthcare premium before you turn Medicare age 65. So, so keep that in mind. And uh, how do you keep your taxable income low? Many strategies uh, that, that we can discuss with you one-on-one if you're interested in that. And uh, this shouldn't just be done before you turn 65. It should be got, be done on an ongoing basis. This is part of that tax planning conversation that we're having, and not just with clients, but also internally at the firm and just making sure that the investments that we're selecting for our clients are tax as tax efficient as possible, because that's also a big tra- tax trap I see when I'm working with new clients, when they send me statements from their, uh, from their IRA and then their, their brokerage account, I see some very tax inefficient investments that are held inside of those taxable brokerage accounts. Those significant capital gains distributions show up on line seven. And oftentimes I have the conversation with them. I said, you know, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Klein, are you, you know, are you taking money out of your taxable portfolio? Meaning like, are you making trades yourself and taking money out of the portfolio? Or are you day trading or churning the portfolio? And oftentimes they say no. And once I review the actual holdings within the investment account, once I, once I can get a copy of the statement, I might see some I may see some actively managed mutual funds that are held inside of that brokerage account that are pushing out capital gains distributions to you, even though you're not making the sale transaction, you own that fund and and those capital gains taxes are passed on to you as the shareholder, not to the actual fund itself. And so so we want to make sure you are careful on what investments we're owning in those taxable brokerage accounts. We want to own those more actively managed funds if they're even appropriate. Oftentimes they're not even appropriate, but if they're appropriate inside of the uh, qualified plans like an IRA or or a uh, Roth IRA. Well, that's it today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and uh, we look forward to more shows in 2024. We're going to continue the cadence of every other week, every other Thursday. That was the commitment that I made on May 31st of this year, 2023. We've been doing a show every two weeks and we will continue to do that in 2024. But if you have questions or topic requests, uh, or if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can always email me directly at kevin at imaginefinancialsecurity.com. Or you can visit my website, imaginefinancialsecurity.com, and you can have the opportunity to book a one-on-one consultation with me directly on my calendar, probably sometime in uh, in 2024 in terms of taking meetings. Uh, And if you were listening to our show last time, we still are on that wait list for uh, beginning in the second quarter of 2024. That's when we're currently accepting new clients into our practice. So like I said, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, just go to my website, 
and make sure you hit the follow button if you haven't done so already, wherever you are consuming podcasts. It doesn't change anything for you, but it helps us reach more people, which is what we're all about. And if you do find find the show helpful and you are finding value in our show, we would appreciate you leaving that five-star review for that exact reason I just mentioned. And that is it for today, everybody. That's it for 2023. Um, happy holidays to you. We, again, are looking forward to a wonderful 2024, and I hope you enjoy your time with your loved ones this holiday season. Until next time, this is Kevin Lau signing off.